So people, we have the lunch and learn for the month of January 2011. Today is Tu Bishvat, a holiday. And um, today's topic is relationships or cloning. The subtitle is, it isn't easy to let the other be themselves. However, it's the only way to have a relationship. Learn to leave go, accept, and love. So that's what the topic is about today. We're talking about are your relationships really relationships or are our relationships a challenge in which one is trying to clone themselves in the other. And that's a huge, huge topic because basically what we're discussing here today is the heart and soul of a relationship. So let's begin. Number one, relationships, two or one. Relationships are something very tricky. Relationships, it takes two to tango, famous saying. But the problem is that in a tango, your moves have to be so synchronized that they flow as one. And that's what a relationship is. Two people having a tango where their moves are synchronized to perfection and thus it's a beautiful dance. The problem is that in our struggle of the latter, synchronizing our moves to flow as one, often we unfortunately slip from the beautiful experience of being in a relationship to the dark sciences of cloning. And I only call it dark sciences in realm of a relationship. I'm not giving you an opinion on what we call scientific cloning. I'm talking about cloning in the realm of a relationship. That is a dark science. So what we have over here is a huge challenge a huge challenge to people. Two people want to work together. They want to be in a relationship. And then somehow, somewhere, in the necessity of two people working together as one, we've slipped from being in a relationship of two people into one trying to clone the other. Let's uh, to clone themselves within the other. Let's talk about this for a moment, okay? In the worst scenario, what happens? In the worst scenario, you have... Two people, they're dating. I'm just going to use dating for an example because I'm talking really about any relationship. Business relationship, friendship, spousal, and parenting. But just let's use an example. In the dating relationship, two people go out and one sees that there's something about the other that I cannot live with. But we don't break up the dating process. Why? Because we're going to get married, and I'm going to change him. Ouch. Journey of pain, suffering, and divorce has already begun. See, what happens over here is you speak about a topic. You pick up a topic. I know that in uh, my circles, one of the huge topics we're going to talk about in the dating process is chinuch, education of children. We need to be on the same page. We need to know what we believe Chinuch education is really all about, what we want to teach our children, what path we want to make available to our children. So you have this serious discussion. That's when things get serious and you start talking about education. Now what happens is that you come across fundamentals, but then you also come across the journey, the two separate things. But if the fundamentals are right, then you can proceed. If the fundamentals are wrong, 
then you have a problem with proceeding. This is not a very smart idea for a shidduch. And if you anyway want to continue with the commitment and get into a marriage with the thought process of, don't worry, I'll convince her, or don't worry, I'll change him. He's a really good person. He just needs a little bit of tinkering and fixing. I'll fix him, and then it'll be okay. You know what that is in a mathematical equation? In a mathematical equation, this is what that one individual is saying. I love me, and I'm going to make me out of you so that I could love you. That's not a relationship. That's what cloning is all about. So now you know clearly what the topic on the table is. In our relationships, in every single one of our relationships, are we in a relationship or are we in the process of trying to clone people to match us so that we can get along? Okay? So, let me tell you what the other person is saying while you're trying to say that I love me and I'm going to make a me out of you. Let me tell you what the other person is saying. Of course, we love him. We care for him. We only want the best for him. And that's why we need to change him. But let me tell you what he's saying. He's saying is, all I want is that you should let me be me and love me for being me. Isn't that what love is really all about? So in any process of a relationship, you're always going to have that. You're always going to have the challenge at any given point of differences. Do we get into a relationship or do we begin a cloning process? So let's talk about this for a moment, okay? I want to begin with like-mindedness or opposites. That's really what we're going to talk about. Because it's really, really a challenge. So let's talk about this. Who are we looking for in a relationship? And again, it sounds like when I say the word relationship, most people immediately kick into lovers, uh, spouses, boyfriend, girlfriends. Uh, I'm not. I'm talking about every type of relationship. Who do you want for a friend? In, in yeshiva, they'll say, who's your chevra? Who's your group? Who do you hang out with? So there's two things. One is that like-mindedness people usually group together. That's what usually happens on blogs, right? Who is attracted to your blog? Someone who's like-minded. But then there's another concept where opposites attract. Now, I want to discuss both those different avenues, and I want to talk about the strength and weaknesses of each one. Like-mindedness usually won't be hostile. It won't be volatile. It's going to be calm. People think alike. The problem in such a relationship is, the weakness, the challenge is, that it's missing spice and herbs. It isn't fun when all two people bring to the relationship is what they already have. You're not bringing anything to, to, to me and my, in this relationship because you and I think alike. I start a sentence, you finish it. So while that may seem sweet and, and loving and romantic, it really makes for a very bland relationship. We get into relationships not because we want someone to yes us to death, but because we want to see an enriched life. Relationships offer that. We're going to talk about that soon, a key word. Relationships offer an enriched life. So it gets kind of bland and boring if you always think the same way about everything. Let's talk about opposites attract. Opposites attract 
usually starts off on a very intense, loving, powerful relationship. The problem with opposites attract is that when serious issues come up, when you need to shift out of cruise control, when you're heading into the white water rapids, opposites attract can become extremely lethal. So when everything is beautiful, opposites attract seem to bring color into life. But when real challenges kick in, it's very difficult to deal with opposites attract. So we're talking about two different dimensions here. We're talking about the strength and opportunities of like-mindedness, and we're also talking about the weakness and threats of like-mindedness. In the same note, we're talking about the strength and opportunities of opposites attract. We're also talking about the weakness and threats of opposite attracts. So you have both sides of the coin here. But now that you know that, the question is, who am I looking to get into a relationship with? Am I looking for like-mindedness? I'm going to be challenged with blandness. Am I looking for opposite attracts? What happens when life hits in its fullest glory? That's what we have on the table here. So with that being said, I want to tell you what I think we should be looking for in a relationship. What I think we should be looking for in a relationship is, I'm going to read this sentence straight out of my notes that I've typed up, and I'm going to read it to you twice. It should sink in. Like-mindedness expressed differently is what we're looking for. Remember this sentence and you'll get the, the what's the word I'm looking for, the, the soul, the neshama of this entire lecture. Like-mindedness expressed differently is exactly what we're looking for. Let's talk about this, okay? The fine line between like-mindedness and yet expressed differently is exactly where two people com can really complete each other. It introduces an entire wholesomeness that each individual on their own will not have. Let's talk again about the dating scene. Let's talk about again the children's education. So two people are dating and they discuss fundamentally what they believe a parent's position in education is, they discuss fundamentally what they think children's role, future should look like. They fundamentally absolutely agree. But as like in most parents, there's always going to be the good cop, bad cop. There's always going to be the one that the kids know that we can massage into <laughs> involuntary <laughs> admission <laughs> and then there's the one like don't even go there does that mean that they have different approaches it's very interesting how many times in marriage counseling where the marriage is being challenged by children's issues it's very interesting how this what I'm about to share with you really happens in a painful way where one is accusing the other of lack of involvement, lack of strength, lack of authority, lack of discipline, and the other one is accusing their spouse of micromanaging, leave your kid alone. 
And my job as the moderator of this conversation is to let them know, do you fundamentally agree? Because if you do, would you let each other go through your own process and journey? As long as you fundamentally agree on what a parent-child relationship is, as long as you fundamentally agree on where the two of you should be standing, then from that focus, so what if he takes one approach and you take another approach? But this is very challenging. Because very often, when two parents fundamentally agree on a child's education, but they absolutely differ, and I'm going to say beautifully differ, in the process, very often, one spouse will say, we're not working as a team. We don't back each other. And it's really not true. It's just one parent not being willing to allow the other parent to head for the same destiny through a different process. So if you want to hear what I'm saying, what I'm saying is there's destiny and there's journey. If you're not heading to the same destiny, we have a serious issue on the table. But if you're heading to the same destiny, you just disagree in the nuances of the journey, then I'm going to say, live and let live. Because that's what a relationship is all about. I do not want to get into a relationship with someone who is not fundamentally like-minded with me. We're going to have two very different lives, and it's really going to be impossible to have a deep partnership relationship. Acquaintance respect, live and let live, but to be in a relationship where we're really deeply involved in some form of partnership, whether it be in weekend sports or whether it be in business, whether it be in marriage, whatever it's going to be, if we truly are opposites on a fundamental level, then we're not going to get along. We can respect each other. We can nicely say hello to each other. But I wouldn't be planning a seven-day cruise stuck on a boat together. But if we are of like-mindedness on a fundamental level, but we beautifully differ in the journey process, that's what maturity in a relationship is all about. And thus I want to tell you an interesting story. A story where the Rebbe by a Fabrengen, I actually heard this. <laughs> it's what I call today the iPod Fabrengen. You see, there are the Fabrengens that was by, and then there are the iPod Fabrengens. I only get to hear them through the iPod. This Fabrengen took place before I was brought down to this world. And then the iPod, I hear that the Rebbe is asking a group of Russians that came from Russia, Chassidim, to sing a certain Russian Hasidic melody. They start a song, but it's very noticeable that that's not quite the song. The song the Rebbe asked for was a song which is all about God is one. They're singing a song with those words, but it's not the tune the Rebbe was talking about. And all of a sudden, you hear them asking the Rebbe if this is the tune. And the Rebbe says in Yiddish, 
The destiny is the same. The journey is different. No, let it be this melody. That's maturity in a relationship. Because the focus of where we want to get to is there. So the Chassidim took a different tune. And by the way, by Chabad, a tune is not simple. A tune is a conversation. The previous Rebbe says that there's a stupid tune and there's a wise tune. A wise tune has to have a question and an answer. A stupid tune is just like Hamri Dambi. So it, it's a journey. The Rebbe asked for a certain tune. In a, in by a Fabrengian, when you get into a tune, you're an individual as part of a group. You actually close inwards and experience the question and answer of your own tune. But it's part of a whole group singing together. And yet the maturity of a relationship is, one second, the destiny is the same. No, let it be this melody. So I'm bringing to the table two very important elements of a relationship and the maturity and health of a relationship is to be able to identify these two elements of a relationship, more importantly, to identify where they meet. So don't be feeling all alone in a relationship because you have one way of doing it and he or she has another way of doing it as long as you're sharing the same fundamental destiny. With that being said, I want to share with you something else. You know, before I share with you another thing, I want to just be clear. You know, there's a highway which has many lanes. The highway is going in the same direction. Does everyone have to be in the same lane? Can you feel more comfortable in an inner lane while the other one feels claustrophobic in the inner lane? I'd like an outer lane. Can you feel comfortable that you like it in the left lane which is supposed to go faster? and the other person feels more comfortable in the right lane, which goes slower. So what happens is that in a relationship, as long as we know we're on the same highway, heading in the same direction, and, I, and I'll tell you why I'm pointing this out, because many, very often, we get into the, God forbid, the ends, right, justifies the means. So when I say that the destiny is important, the journey is not, well, there's some morals and principles about journeys. And if your journey, even though you're heading to the same destiny, but if your journey doesn't match with my morals and principles, we probably shouldn't be in a partnership of any form and shape. So I am talking about decent, moral, acceptable, different lanes to the same highway. Okay? Let's go further. So I want to share with you something I learned at a board meeting. You know, I'm on the board, and on the board they have uh, board training. And the, this specific board that I had received this training was in the Hillel School, the Hillel Day School, really interesting. They brought them some very phenomenal speakers for board training. And I had something very interesting there. This facilitator was actually teaching us the art of negotiation. And she made a picture, okay? I don't have video today, I'm only audio, so while I draw for you the picture, I'm going to explain it for those who are going to hear it later on the internet, okay? Basically, it's two mountains and they overlap in the valley. This is the art of negotiation. You have two opinions. Opinion A is going to put on the peak of one mountain their non-negotiable issues. Opinion B is going to put on the peak of the second mountain non-negotiable issues. 
Those two are where you differ. Those two are where you're not going to give in. The next job is in the valley where the two mountains touch. We need to write what issues, I'm not saying it would be my prime choice, but they're negotiable. When you do this, one of two scenarios will happen. Scenario number one tells us, hey, you know, the non-negotiable issues isn't really what's going to make or break this deal. Because what needs to be accomplished in this board meeting lies at the valley where we meet. So I know that this is a no-no. You know that by me this is a no-no. So let's put that off the table. What are we left with? Are we left with things that we can still work together and come to a fine resolution where mission accomplished without stepping on each other's toes? You follow now what I mean by destiny and journey? I would consider that the peaks of the two mountains, if they're not fundamental issues, which will bring this entire board meeting and relationship to a halt, we just can't go no further. To quote one Israeli prime minister, he said, we have agreed to disagree. And that's okay. You have two mountain peaks. This is where I stand. I won't be, I will not be open to negotiations about this issue. This is where you stand. You will not be open to any negotiation about this issue. And now what we're going to do is, we're going to see if there's any hope, salvation left for us to work as partners on this issue. That is what we're talking about. Now I want to share with you that there's also a different outcome. There's a different outcome where the issue at hand is so serious and the peaks of non-negotiable points do not allow us to go any further in this partnership. So what are we dealing with here? We have two scenarios. I could sit down in a relationship and say, listen, in this issue, this is what I'm not willing to bend and this is what you're not willing to bend. Is there anywhere where we can meet in the middle? If it is, let's take the exterior extremes off the table. Don't ask me to do that because I won't. I won't ask you to do this because you won't, but there's something we can do that will help us both accomplish what we set out to accomplish to begin with. The immature one, please listen. The immature one cannot hear this. The immature one in a relationship who's out to clone not to have a relationship is not just interested about mission accomplished. It has to be done my way. There's only one way to do this, my way. I don't care if we get to the same destiny. It means nothing to me because I told you to do it this way and you didn't do it this way. That's immaturity, and now we've slipped into the dark sciences of cloning. However, the mature one has now one of two choices. Actually, I'm going to say one of three choices because I want to introduce an extreme choice. Choice number one. Okay, I hear what we agree upon. I hear what we will never agree upon. Can we make it happen in the valley of agreement? Choice number one. Choice number two. There is no valley of agreement here. We maturely understand 
that this is a very fundamental issue and with your fundamental non-negotiable choices and my fundamental non-negotiable choices, we're really just not going to be able to work at this together. What do you do? What do mature people do when they maturely acknowledge that? I'm going to share with you what I think mature people will do. They will come up with a very interesting system. Honey, this time we'll do it your way. Next time it'll be my way. That's all. We cannot agree. We're not going to find a way to do this where we're both feeling that we both had our needs met. And that happens in a relationship. And again, if the issues aren't that fundamental, then we can live with our relationship where 78% were in the valley of agreement and then 12% were not in the valley of agreement. So let's just leave it at 22%. I'm sorry, we're not in the valley of agreement. And let's just understand that we're going to create a system where we're not in the valley of agreement since this isn't such fundamental, critical issues in our relationship. Let's just come up with a system where sometimes you have it your way and I'll do it with a smile and sometimes I'll have it my way and I'll do it with a smile. Warning. Warning. Ever notice that in certain relationships, whenever it's someone's time to give in, no, 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 this is a major issue. This, I, I can't give in. Why? Why can't you give in? This is a major issue. Well, we have now an immature element in the relationship, which is out for cloning. I'm totally okay with you agreeing that we can't work together and doing it my way. But... Uh, not agreeing and doing it your way every second time, that really won't work for me. There's no relationship here. There's a cloning. When we get along, we get along. When we don't get along, you do it my way or I'm going to make life hell for you. A cloning process. I want to share with you a third choice. So you have a choice where you realize that we don't agree and you realize that this time there's not going to be no happy win-win solution. So the win-win solution will be about the larger picture of our relationship, not about this scenario. And the way we do that is that in win-lose situations of our win-win relationship, we're going to create a process, a system where we both feel okay. One time you win, one time I win. Okay? But there is the extreme here, and it's important to hear the extreme. There is a time where you realize that this was a mistake. This relationship was a mistake. We're just too fundamentally different. It's not just about details. It's not just about journey. We really, really have come to see that we're not meant to be in this partnership. In marriage, that would be we're talking divorce. In friendship, that would be talking about you go your way, I go my way. In relationships, I mean, there's, in partnerships, there's just pleasantly agreeing that we need to now dissolve the, the institution that we're partners in. Okay? That would be an extreme. By the way, it's important to hear and identify the extreme. Because if you don't identify the extreme, you won't be able to identify what is healthy and sane. You need to understand what is unhealthy and insane to be able to appreciate what is healthy and sane. If you can appreciate that there is a time when a relationship needs to be dissolved and you understand what that situation is, then you can clearly appreciate that this relationship doesn't need to be dissolved because fundamentally focused on the destiny, we agree. 
The journey is just two different lanes on the same highway. So why don't I just give it up, let you be, let me be, and let's enjoy the bigger picture of a relationship where we are more identical than not. Okay? So, now that we have that clear, I want to go to the next step here. If you don't mind, I'm going to do questions and answers right after I finish. I'm going to run a monologue, okay? And then I will be here for questions. Let's go here to what we're talking about. When, when you identify that we are like-mindedness in fundamental beliefs and goals and destiny, we are respectfully opposites attract in some of the ways we go about to reach our destiny. What you do in your journey does not conflict with my morals and principles. So I need to let you be. That is where relationships and cloning part ways. Because the one who's into cloning will not allow for the second half of that statement to be true. The immaturity in a relationship will fight over the differences of the journey rather than focusing on the like-mindedness of the destiny. And in order to justify what they're doing, they will make the differences of the journey an issue of morals, principles, I can't let this go, you don't understand, that's immaturity. And if it isn't immaturity, because it's really true, you need to dissolve the relationship. If what your partner is doing morally disagrees, on a moral level disagrees with what you believe, so it's not just about the destiny, you really can't embrace this, then you need to let go. But I suggest again and again and again and again, make sure that you're in a very mature, humble place when you sit down to figure out what is really going on in this relationship. Is it fundamentally different? Are we fundamentally opposites, not healthy? Or are we fundamentally like-minded? We're just very, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? I'm looking for absolute in the way we want it to be done. And then there's a problem. That's immaturity that could be worked out, hopefully. Let's go further. So, let's talk about this on a deeper level. Because what I shared with you until now, I'm going to be brief. I'm going to almost finish. I want to bring to you quickly three stories. We're going to go through them quickly. And then we're going to bring this to a closing. When we talk about absolute differences fundamentally versus fundamental like-mindedness, and journey, process, procedural difference, which is okay, I want to share with you that not only is this an okay relationship, I want to share with you what's brought into your life if you allow for procedural differences in a relationship. Because on a deeper level, not only isn't that a challenge to your relationship, that is actually the gift of a relationship. The gift of a relationship is that you will never have an absolute like-mindedness. 
you'll never have the enriched experience of life. Because you are only you and you only do things your way. You'll never know what else there is on the path and journey to your very own destiny. So I want to introduce to you now, not only is there a healthy way to make room for procedural differences in a fundamental like-mindedness, but I actually want to introduce to you that that is where relationships open up to the richness of what only relationships, healthy, mature relationships can offer you. So let's go through the Torah for a moment. We have Abraham and Isaac. Abraham and Isaac externally are absolute opposites. They are such opposites that upon the verse that says the souls which he made in Haran, our sages say that Abraham and Sarah converted people from paganism to monotheism. Yet later when Isaac, Abraham passes away, Isaac becomes the new leader of this entire paradigm and what happens now? They all disappear. Why? Because externally Abraham and Isaac were opposites. Abraham was all about kindness and chesed and Isaac was all about strictness, justice and givurah. And while monotheism was easier to digest when you're dealing with the benevolence of God, it's a little difficult to digest when you're dealing with the justice of God. We're all quicker to accept a one God of compassion than we are to accept a one God of justice. So Isaac lost the entire following of Abraham. Now let me tell you another thing. Abraham had a second son. He had more than just one more son, but one more son for this conversation. Yishmael. If you follow the life of Yishmael, he was more in tune with the chesed, kindness factor of Abraham than Isaac was. Isaac was justice. Ishmael was chesed. But what kind of chesed? He had a chesed that led to lightheartedness, that had led to an immature, unhealthy, open-mindedness, which eventually led to a life of lewdness. So now let's talk about this. Externally, we find Yishmael to be more like-minded with Abraham than Isaac. But internally, Isaac is the one that really, really lives the commitment of Abraham, of monotheism. A chesed which is expressed and founded through Gevurah. Just to put things in perspective, Abraham's chesed would let his two-year-old baby play with a knife or not? No. Well, but why? That's chesed. So understand that Avram's chesed was actualized through Isaac's opposite procedure. While the like-mindedness, quote-unquote, of Ishmael led to the exact opposite of everything that Avraham lived for. You see how interesting this gets? External like-mindedness may actually lead to fundamental antithesis. Are you sure that your spouse is not deeply like-minded with you, even though externally he has opposite procedures? 
Are you sure that when your partner has like-minded procedures, he's fundamentally not opposite? Let's talk about Joseph and Jacob. Jacob and Joseph. Jacob lived what type of life? Jacob lived a life and taught his children to live a life of seclusion from worldly engagement. He chose to be a shepherd. Why did he chose to be a shepherd? Why did he teach his children to be a shepherd? So that he can live in the solitude of meditation, prayer, Torah study, spirituality. His children follow in his footsteps. Besides who? Joseph. Joseph is living a life where he is driven for the umph degree of worldly engagement. He's going to become the viceroy of the superpower of civilization of that time. The children of Jacob resent this because they see a rebel, they see an external opposite of what their father is and what they live for. Jacob and Joseph shared an intimate relationship in which Jacob knew that it is only through Joseph that his internal commitment, his fundamental commitment to create a worldly nation that will live here on earth serving God can be fulfilled. Jacob knew that his destiny will be brought to fruition through Joseph. How interesting. So his children that are walking in his footsteps are not heading to the same fundamental destiny. Joseph, who seems to be a rebel, his eye is on Jacob's ball. You follow again the richness of a relationship? Do you see now how sometimes the shortest distance between two points is not a straight line? Let's talk about one last case. The Baal of and the Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe, for those of you who know the history of Chassidus, when the Alter Rebbe engaged in founding Chabad philosophy and Tanya, the Chevra Kadisha, which is what we call the Holy Society, which is what we call the students of the Magid, broke out into a war. They felt that the Alter Rebbe was breaking away from the vision and destiny of the Baal Shem Tov. There was a huge war that went on. Baruch Mezrebish, the holy man, fought against the Alter Rebbe. Back the Alter Rebbe. It was, it was huge, huge. Let's talk about this. The Baal Shem Tov, his primary focus when it dealt with the masses of Jewish people was what? Emotional. He would go out and tell a story of faith, faith in God, faith in God's servants. He would talk about anything just to get the Baruch Hashem out of a Jew. How's your family? Baruch Hashem. Baal Shem Tov would smile. That's all he wanted. The Baal Shem Tov kept on teaching and teaching and teaching people. Judaism with a smile. Joy. Emotions, emotions, emotions. Now let's talk about Al Rebbe. Chabad. The very name Chabad is the acronym for Chachma Binadat. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. The Al Rebbe is taking a different route. The Al Rebbe seems to be a rebel. The Al Rebbe is breaking away. He's going to get to the heart through the mind. Many of his peers, holy people, fought him. 
We see external opposites. But what really happens is that the Alter Rebbe has his eye on the Baal Shem Tov's ball. Because if we don't have solidified, empowered emotions, how will they stand up to temptation? Not in my notes, but I'm going to share with you one of the movies I saw with my kids, Finding Nemo. I don't know if you guys saw that movie or not, but you remember that Dora is following the blue light on top of that fish's head and says, oh wow, what a good feeling, what a good feeling, what a good feeling. And as it gets close, all of a sudden that fish opens up its mouth, it sees its teeth, and all of a sudden Dora gives a scream, good feeling gone. The Alter Rebbe is worried about that. Oh, I love Hashem. I love Hashem. I'm so happy to be Jewish. And all of a sudden, temptation hits you smack in the face. Good feeling gone. And therefore, the Alter Rebbe has his eyes on the Baal Shem Tov's ball. We need to introduce the emotional soul to the methodological Torah. How do we do that? And Al-Tarebbe realizes that if we don't empower people with meditation, concentration, understanding, study, then the feelings will be shallow. And at the slightest temptation, at the slightest temptation, commitment, good feeling, gone. So now let's discuss this again. External opposites, fundamental internal like-mindedness. What I'm actually sharing with you here is deeper than that. That if not for the Alter Rebbe following a different procedure, the teaching of the Baal Shem Tov would be gone. Think about today in America. Challenges of inter- interfaith marriages. Challenges of Shomer Shabbat. Challenges of Tzniyot. All these challenges a hum, a mantra, won't do it. Because the good feeling has to be as deep, tangible, practical, real as temptation. But if in the emotions of the synagogue is abstract good feeling and the temptation that bangs right into your face when you step out into the street is real, the Baal Shem Tov's teachings become, God forbid, extinct. So what I'm sharing with you here is not only should you ask yourself whether this is an external procedure and it's okay because fundamentally we're like-minded, I'm, asking, I'm actually telling you forget just okay. Your destiny may depend upon his different procedure. Parenting is once again a perfect example. You need to have both procedures for the child to be wholesomely educated. And if two parents not only share a fundamental destiny in education, but identical procedures, the child will not be well balanced. So differences of procedure, as long as they're built on fundamental like-mindedness, not only is a healthy relationship, it is the gift of a relationship. In closing, 
Why? Why do people try to clone? We step into a marriage, head over heels about this person, and then we try changing him. We try changing her. <laughs> what happened there? I want to share with you why people shift from relationships into cloning. It is an absolute insecurity of one's own identity, an absolute lack of faith in the power of your vision, a total, a total lack of maturity and belief in your position of a relationship. That is exactly what leads to cloning. The minute I see someone I'm involved with, I love, I'm a partner with, carries my DNA, veer away from the exact procedure that I've taught them. If I'm not strong in my vision of the destiny, if I'm not strong of not becoming feeling hopeless, they're not listening to me. If I'm not in that dark area, I will totally embrace and empower the beautiful new angle and dynamics of procedure that my significant other in the relationship brings to me. However, if I'm weak, the slightest variance from what I envisioned makes me feel that I'm losing my position, my place, my importance, my everything in this relationship. And then comes the infamous words, you don't love me. I'm not number one in your life. You always have time for everyone else. How come never me? That is an outcome of insecurity, weakness, of identity, of power of vision, of knowing the important position you have in a relationship. Now hear me people, this is not easy. It really isn't easy in a relationship. The deeper the relationship, the more scary it becomes. There's no question about that. It's not easy to let go of the nuanced differences. It's not easy to accept the other person is heading to the same destiny in a different lane. It's not easy to love that person for the rich opportunity of dynamics they bring into our journey. It is true. I will tell you more than that. It's not easy to let go of your adamant thoughts of how things should go. And it's very, very difficult in a relationship to really feel comfortable in letting the other person also have their say. <laughs> you have no idea how times when a relationship needs a little bit of uh, help in the dynamics of would you let the other person talk? You have no idea how many times this is the outcome. Okay, I heard you. you. You said what you had to say. Good. You're wrong. <laughs> well, what do you want, Rabbi? I let him say his piece. I listened. You want me to repeat to you what he said? I'll tell you what you said. You ever had that in an argument? 
You're not hearing me. I didn't hear you. You want to hear? I'll tell you exactly what you said. Did I hear you? Good. Now let me tell you the right way. <laughs> it's challenging. Cloning is a very, very, very quick procedure we work it to. The minute things don't look exactly the way I like it or I'm not feeling secure. But I will share you. I will share with you that what you stand to gain in a relationship if you allow for procedural differences, journeys enriched by differences based upon the same fundamental like-mindedness. It's amazing what you have. The journey becomes richer. The destiny carries so much more experiences. But I want to tell you what the challenge here is. Let me just spell it out clearly. I'm asking you in a relationship to stop and ask yourself, why are you arguing the point? Is it because he or she is wrong or is it because you are weak? I'm going to say that one more time. I'm asking you in a relationship to ask of yourself seriously, why am I arguing the point? Is it because the significant other is lethally wrong or is it because you are simply weak? That's what we need to overcome in a relationship. And only then can we embrace the beauty that relationships have to offer. That's it, folks.